Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Tech is in the crosshairs yet again as the 10-year crosses 175 for the first time since last January. 30-year at 2.5. Markets watching for more signs of inflation. Philly Fed 51.8 is the highest in our data set, at least. Our roadmap begins with the recovery and inflation. S&P Nasdaq futures moving lower. We will hear from Powell again today at noon. Plus the reopening timeline. AMC shares, they're rallying again as the movie theater chain looks to get most of its U.S. locations open by this weekend. And Tesla's autopilot safety facing a federal investigation. This after two crashes over the last week. The latest into a parked Michigan state police patrol car. Carl. All right, guys, there's so much to get to. I guess, Jim, you covered a lot of this a moment ago uh, with uh, the guys on Squawk. Uh, one year, 175 on the 10 year was not out of the realm of people's expectations, but for the likes of B of A, it was a year end target, not a March target. It's happening very fast, and I think that this is the bond market saying, you don't know what you're doing, uh, Jay Powell. Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Bond Market, you're going to be dead wrong. I've been going over all the commodities that Powell talked about when he's saying, listen, it's going to be uh, transitory. He's going to be right about every single one of them, with the possible exception of copper because of EV batteries, because they require so much copper. And I think that he doesn't want to be hoodwinked like uh, Yellen was in 2015 where she saw commodity prices going up and misinterpreted that as being strength in the economy. Those jobless claims today, again, are going to verify what Powell's doing. I'm telling you, David, this is about this is about a guy who doesn't want to make the same mistake that they made in 1516. He doesn't want to let the commodity market bully him into doing something that could be short term and wrong. Well, what about the bond market bullying him? Well, he's not going to let it happen. Right. Well, it's happening. Well, no, Whether saying, or not he wants to let it well, happen it or be, not, the bond be. market's making its own decision about inflation right well, now. I am saying he's not going to let the short rates go higher. The mm-hmm. interest rates, the mortgage rates are still okay. Mm-hmm. Listen, you wouldn't have had that Lenar run yesterday if the mortgage rates were out of control. I am just saying that if he wants to cause the tenure to go back to one and a half, all he's got to do is say, hey, listen, I'm taking up regular cycle. We're going to show we're going to show those inflationistas business. And tell me, though, why you believe the commodities. Are, it's a transient move. Because, OK, three reasons. One is, is that the Saudis could blink on oil. I think that they will. Two is this winter storm. Yuri turned out to be far worse than any of us are talking about. Far worse, far worse. I mean, it's really pretty extraordinary. And then three, the labor inflation that we're seeing is not nearly as great as I would have thought by this time. I mean, it's always mentioned on the home builders. Lenar mentioned it. Remember, large, we're talking about a giant home builder. But it is not to the point where anyone is saying it's causing us to raise the cost of what we do. So I think when you get commodity inflation that's more dependent upon weather and the Saudis, he can't do anything about the Saudis. Right. I'm taking rates up in order to get the Saudis to, to stop uh, their uh, taking oil off the market. No. Anyway, it's been four straight weeks, by the way, where oil's been above inventory. 
And I think that's going to bust oil. I think you're going to be surprised. I think oil's peaking right here. That's interesting, Jim. I know retail gas uh, is up 46 straight days. That's the longest streak in about 16 years, uh, as far as we have data going back to 2005. Uh, year to date, retail gasoline's up almost 28 percent. And we've not had a year since 2005 where it's been up more than 20 at this point in the year. But to Jim's point about uh, these things being transitory, it's exactly what Powell said at the presser. Take a listen. We could also see upward pressure on prices if spending rebounds quickly as the economy continues to reopen, particularly if supply belt bottlenecks limit how quickly production can respond in the near term. However, these one-time increases in prices are likely to have only transient effects on inflation. So, Jim, there's that. Then there's also 3M, which comes out yesterday and says that labor, uh, logistics, materials are rising. It basically double their estimates. Well, look, I, there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of demand from China. 3M, very heavy China. Uh, that is very that is strong. I admit that there are issues where there are certain things. I, I've been trying to get to the bottom of the lumber story now, the doubling of lumber, for several days. No one can really give me good answers about what's happening with lumber. Uh, and, I mean, people have given me, I think, ish, uh, answers that I think are fatuous. Uh, but when I do see things like refining, where we now had one million new barrels this week, of which almost all of it is coming off from the that is now being produced because they're fixing from what happened in Winterstorm Uri. And I am telling you, this Winterstorm Uri is the most underreported story. It was bigger than any hurricane we have had in decades. It knocked out so much petrochemical and oil. David, why are we not focusing on the fact that a lot of the, of the inflation that we're seeing in autos, in uh, in furniture, in mm-hmm. in home, is related to a storm? It's like no one talks about it. It was a one in a hundred year storm, and it's like people don't realize it happened. Right. Well, you've been talking about it the last couple endlessly because yeah. it was so and big and the impact that it's had. But all right, Jim, back to the market itself today. I mean, the technology names, and here I'm not just talking about the ones obviously we end up talking about so often, the Apples or Amazons, both of which are down though, down right. single digits for right. the year. Right. Even Tesla, which is barely down, or Netflix. There are other technology names, high growth names that have been shellacked and will continue to be. Today, you see what the Nasdaq is potentially looking like in terms of the open. And there does seem to be this debate about possibility of inflation versus pricing power on the part of these companies to combat it. Uh, I don't know where that ends up. You know, you look at a name like Spotify, only down about 10 percent for the year, but from its highs, you know, down about 100 points. Um, And yet they're raising prices. And so, you know, again, to your point about transients of commodity prices, is this also transient? Is this just a moment in time for many of these technology names that continue to be the leaders and will have the growth no- kind of numbers to support higher prices in the future? I think that we're going to have to see a couple big disappointments. This is what happened in 2016. How did we get to a hideous bottom? People forget how bad tech was that year. You're going to need to see some of these high profile companies that we're talking about say they can't make the numbers. And that's how you get a bottom. But you remember, none of them said that yet. Right. Carl, all of them are pretty happy about how things are going. We need we need a major one, a fang name to come out and say, you know what, we're not going to be able to do the numbers. And then you're going to see a bottom. And we haven't had that yet. Well, I'm what, waiting why, for would that, why would that happen? I mean, again, heading into 6% GDP growth, why would you be unable to hit the numbers? Well, I mean, I think that all right, that's a, I, I know that's not a rhetorical question. No. But the way I would answer that is to say, that, that what happened back in 2016 was LinkedIn, right. which was an amazing company. 
made a forecast saying, listen, because we see rates going higher, because we see things aren't going the way we thought, we have to cut numbers. We didn't make the numbers. And that caused the final leg down. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, what happened to LinkedIn? Bidding war between Salesforce and Microsoft. Microsoft, So I am waiting for that scenario to play out. And it was it LinkedIn, I thought, was doing incredibly well. But they looked around and they said, you know what? Maybe things aren't going to be as good. It's going to be one of those one of these companies is going to do that. I don't know which one. I mean, a lot of people think it's going to be Apple, David, because a lot of people feel that Apple iPhone orders have been cut. I'm not buying that. But that I mean, is that the chatter around is Apple's going to miss. Rates are moving higher because people think things are going to be good, so to speak. But it's going to potentially cause inflation, which is going to hurt some companies. And then you're saying, well, maybe things aren't. I mean, uh, no, no, I'm saying that it's, one of these companies could break ranks and say, listen, right. we're, we're now uncertain about the future. I mean, you take Petco, which we have later today. They did the opposite. They gave you an actual view. We are going to have a good year. We need one of these tech companies to say it is uncertain. And then, David, that's it. Right. That's it. Carl, they can't all be, they can't all be as clear as Lordstown in terms of not doing well. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to the Lordstown interview earlier this morning. Jim, maybe the um, to the degree that there's something to hang your hat on regarding weaker guidance might be Europe. I don't know if you saw this Morgan Stanley note out this morning. Um, we are somewhat uh, skeptical. Europe can save its summer this year uh, due to the emergence of new strains. Uh, Germany just had its biggest case rise in two months. Uh, France, Norway, the EU have all talked about a third wave uh, in the past 48 hours. And we talked to Santoli earlier in the week about the degree to which that might put a lid, at least on the rising price environment. Well, look, I, I've got to tell you, the business is being done. And I got two businesses in, in Italy. And, you know, of course, this is anecdotal, but we're done. Done. Uh, everything's being canceled. It is just it's like a shutdown. It, it's like but it's a shutdown being mandated by the by by their own people, by, by the people themselves. Uh, I think that Europe is going to be well below trend. And I think that will affect a lot of our companies. Unfortunately, China is so, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, we're talking with China right now, uh, the government, but China is still very strong. And the hope for a lot of these companies is that China will make a lot of the commodities and actually bring down the price of, say, petrochemicals, which they have the ability to do. But uh, China's still accelerating. And I think that these talks, Carl, that we're doing, under, another underreported area that I think has to be more reported, the, t- the tenor of these talks with China is sounding like it's a lot more serious and tougher uh, and not one off than under the previous administration. Yeah, no, for sure. And now we got uh, Catherine Tai confirmed uh, this week uh, with a 98 to zero vote. Uh, And then this back and forth with Putin is uh, truly remarkable uh, this morning. Maybe we get to that in a bit. Speaking of recovery, though, at least stateside, we are getting some new data on the ride sharing front. Deirdre Bose has got that for us today. Hey, Dee. Hey, Carl, that's right. Lyft shares are moving higher in pre-market trade as we get more evidence of a recovery in ride sharing. In a blog post this morning, the company says that yesterday, for the very first time in a year, it saw positive year-over-year growth in daily ride share volume. Now, this comes on the back of its best week since pandemic lockdowns began, and it expects that momentum to continue with positive weekly ride share growth on an annual basis 
for the rest of 2021. And perhaps, guys, not so surprising as it is coming off a very weak base here. But some of this momentum was telegraphed a few weeks ago through an 8K, uh, where Lyft also improved its Q1 loss outlook. But the blog post today essentially saying that the recovery is here and it's going to get even better. Just last week, I should note, Uber also said that it was seeing improved mobility trends. It also improved its first quarter outlook. But of course, that company has pivoted to food delivery, which, of course, is a business that is expected to see some softening this year. Now, both company stocks have just surged uh, year to date. They're up about 30 percent for Lyft, 10 percent for uh, Uber. But that run certainly continuing. Both of them have more than quadrupled over the last year alone. And guys, finally, the title of that Lyft post is what a difference a year makes. So uh, pretty well put back over to you. Wow. Uh, that's good. Uh, thank you very much, Deirdre Boso on Lyft. Jim, we were just talking about gas prices. It's all part of a piece. Yes, it is. By the way, congratulations to Daniel Ives. Uh, he has, comes on a lot. And he made this call yesterday to go buy Lyft. And it was like, wow, why is he saying that? What is that about? Well, he nailed it. But we do have, look, there's inflation in drivers. We know that, but that's over uh, overseas. Inflation in gasoline, I'm calling a peak on gasoline. You are. Well, yes. you just, you already did. Yeah. Well, now you, you've seconded your own call. There, it's by acclamation, then. <laughs> Can we table it? Yeah. I'm, invo- I'm invoking cloture on you right now, unless you have something really um, great. I want to hear your thoughts, by the way, on Dollar General. I know where they're playing the music. Uh, you saw they came out with numbers and their guidance as well for DG. So something we should do, we should talk about before the opening bell. Jim. Absolutely, because that was the natural way to go for it. Well, I guess they're, they're just going to buy GameStop and not going to go to Dollar Gen. So, I guess not, but show net me the sales hands, David. in the range for, net, for the this hands. year of 2% to flat. Carl, we'll get to that in a bit uh, as we head to commercial. Yeah, uh, we'll get to Williams-Sonoma. we got an upgrade of Carnival, some downgrades of last year's favorites like Kroger and Clorox. Uh, you can see tech weakness this morning. We're back in a moment. Brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eden Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at EdenVance.com slash CNBC. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at EdenVance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. AMC's up in the pre-market. The theater chain says it plans to have 98% of U.S. locations open beginning tomorrow, including more than 40 reopenings in California. AMC expects 99% of its theaters nationwide to be open by March 26th, Jim. And, of course, about a month after that, we'll get Disneyland. Yeah, the, the things are picking up everywhere. And I think one of the things that we're seeing is, is that people are certainly not going to wait. I mean, AMC, if you waited, I think you, you obviously missed a gigantic move. Congratulations to Adam Aaron, who kept the, kept the chairs on what people thought was a Titanic in place and it turned out it wasn't titanic at all it's just a it's the sole survivor uh by the way they once played in my high school soul survivor david that was a group okay and uh 
expressed way to your heart. Oh, forget it. Okay. Um, but, Carl, I really believe in uh, AMC being the only movie chain that got through this. Well, they got through it, though, because of the Reddit rebellion or whatever we want to call that, right? What are you talking about, gamification? Yeah, I'm just talking about the fact that the stock went up to levels that were, well, you see what it did, uh, that seemed impossible to imagine given at least fundamental analysis, but enabled them to sell stock. They did it along the way. I mean, kudos to Adam Aaron for taking advantage of what, well, what the, he was given and being able to keep that company afloat. Thank you, because that's, yeah. that's the use of the capital markets the right. way they're made. The, and right. Royal Caribbean has done it. You want to send my stock up to 18? Great. Here you go. It's I all think, to you. I um, think Adam Aaron, great piece about him and how he survived and won this. Right. But uh, the Carnival Cruise is, uh, recommended today is an upgrade. Uh, it, it, I've got to tell you, Carl, one of the things that's amazing about the Reddit crew, so to speak, is you think that they've been picked off. So, you know, they've been picked off when they made their buys, but they're up on their buys. Yeah. I mean, that's more than I can say about the hedge fund kings who, who you know, who said hell was coming. GME's hanging well, in there at, uh, at over $200 a share. Carl, you know, something I know you've uh, been focused on, we've talked about, is that theatrical window, because so much has changed in the last year in terms of the willingness of the producers of films to take them right to direct to consumer. Of course, our, com- our parent company, NBC Universal, started tightening up that window early on. Uh, you saw Disney make some decisions in terms of releasing things direct to Disney Plus. And then, of course, the Wonder Woman, uh, latest Wonder Woman movie, uh, released without any window, right to HBO Max for a certain amount of time for its subscribers. I did ask John Stanky, the man who runs AT&T, which, of course, owns Warner, uh, whether we'll ever see the return of the old windows, so to speak, in terms of how long you have to get to something to watch something in a movie theater. Here's what he said. I don't think we're going to see the return of the windowing exactly the way it was two or three years ago. I think there's still going to be a meaningful theatrical window for content that is relevant to see in a theatrical experience. The industry is constructively working through this, and it's going to ultimately be a win-win for everybody. I'm hoping it's a win-win for everybody, Jim. Well... <laughs> it's been a win-win for Viacom. I, the, 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 <laughs> I know. The pause did everything. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, it's going to be fascinating, guys, to see how the creatives take this as well. You know, we talked to John Chu last mm-hmm. week. It's got a new movie called In the Heights coming out uh, based on the musical by, by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And did you see, David, the pictures of Christopher Nolan in the theater wearing his mask <laughs> on the day that L.A. theaters opened up? So... Some of these guys who believe their movies should be seen big are going to try to position themselves and maybe even demand that their movies are released in a, in a bigger window. And there, it is a different experience, to be fair, it is. I mean, you can sit home with the biggest screen you can find and watch on Netflix or any other service, but it is a different experience, Carl. I think we can all uh, relate to that. And the economics, though, as you point out as well, and we talked to Chen about it, are changing, too. You know, what, how do you get paid on the back end when there isn't one? Right. So it'll be interesting to see how they all adjust. Wow. Right. Uh, We'll get to some of those calls that uh, we mentioned, that uh, upgrade of Carnival and some other reopening stories as well. And, of course, you've got to keep your eye on rates today as the futures will reflect uh, some nervousness about tech's exposure to a rising rate environment. Don't go away. For more than a decade. Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at comcast.com slash projectup.
Welcome back. we got seven and a half minutes before we get to an opening bell. Let's squeeze in a mad dash. William Sonoma, you've mentioned a couple of times. Yeah, no I, details. Give it to us. Well, talking to you the break, there's really this dichotomy that's coming. There's the companies that are doing better now that, th- that we're opening retail. Okay, And then the companies that were doing fabulously last year. And a lot of people felt, you know what? Those fabulous ones would stay fabulous. Well, we're going to talk about the dollar stores in a moment when we get back. But the one that a lot of people bet against because it did so well during the pandemic was Williams-Sonoma. They didn't think they could continue because a lot of it is just making your home into a more of an office environment. A lot of outdoor stuff that they did that was good because that was the way you were supposed to get together. And forget about it, David. The numbers were unbelievable. And the forecast is for it to continue. 25% comp gains for some of these things. And a lot of it is just Laura Albert, who's on Mad Money tonight, just talking about, look, we have been able to develop a different ethos, new modern aesthetics. At first, you usually hear this stuff, you think, it's just smoke. No. I mean, there's a direct correlation between the good work they are doing and the increasing relevance that they have. And I've got to tell you, David, Ahmed, just call me a huge believer. Yeah, well, you're, you're not alone. Man, that's, that stock is up over 400%. Because Laura, Laura Albert understands. 400%. Okay, 400%. How about, because, wait, how about if you raise the dividend like every other week like they do? David, they are now doing seasonal stuff. Like the Easter Outdoor is doing incredibly well. At the same time, what are they doing? Carbon reduction with the East. In other words, these, this is the new way you do things. You announce an initiative, and then you talk about lower footprint. Right in the same paragraph. Right. I love this new world. Yeah. I love it. Man, I, I would assume they give a lot of stock to their executives. I don't know, but that's... Don't forget, the most amazing wealthy. thing, the yeah. flagship is back. The, the actual Williams-Sonoma stores. And if you went, I went last week, they've got these mixers mm-hmm. for uh, alcohol mixers. Mm. I'm telling you. Alcohol mixers? Alcohol mixers. It's just killer. What do you mean? Alcohol? You Just to make a smooth... Uh, yeah. Like, you know, an that's alcohol. a new thing now. You don't have that? You know, it's like, you know, the mixer and you... Yeah. Like you make Manhattan or whatever. Oh, yeah? A whole wall of it. Just going out. I mean, you can't, can't keep your stuff in stock, David. No. no. David, you know what a heavy, well, I'll show, one day I'll show They're you very about heavy. my heavy pot that I yes. bought there. Yes, I look forward to when you're mixing me a drink soon. Very soon. But even sooner than that, we're going to get an opening bell. So don't go anywhere. Citi's out with an upbeat note about Intel and the new leadership there, saying, quote, we believe the new Intel CEO, Pat Gelsinger, is taking away both the doomsday scenario of Intel losing share for many years and the AMD blue sky upside scenario of AMD gaining share for many years. We believe investors and us are becoming more confident in Mr. Gelsinger's ability to fix Intel's manufacturing either internally or via outsourcing. Jim, I'm not sure you share their confidence. No, and look, I, I, look Pat Gelsinger is terrific. And it was great that he came over from VMware and Intel was rudderless. Uh, it takes a long time to turn around the ship. I think that, uh, that Pat is, is spreading the gospel that, look, we haven't lost anybody. Everybody loves us and we're going to be taking care. But what I really didn't like about this, this was a straw man piece of research. The blue sky upside scenario of $5 earnings per share, uh, is, it's going to melt away. Now, wait a second. I have, I've been the most bullish guy on AMD in the world. Ever since five, I never once believed in the blue sky scenario, five bucks. You know, if you want to create a straw man, David, and then say, hey, listen, it's not going to happen. Well, that's what happened there. That piece, that piece, David, that guy's been wrong about AMD for a long time. OK, well, let's just make him wronger or more wrong or wronger. I always like that. I think it's probably more. Wrong. I think it's an incorrect. Now, he's pro- probably a sweet. Uh, probably well, nice. What person. about the idea that they both 
can benefit. Is that a possibility in your mind, or does one have to benefit at the... At is the, zero-sum? Yeah, at the loss of the other. Well, I think if you listen to what Lisa Sue said, and perhaps this gentleman did the other day when she spoke, it's multi-year partnerships, okay? And they're very hard, once you're in, to rip out. And I'm talking about Google, I'm talking about Azure, all right, Tencent. These companies are big, and they are siding with AMD. So, I, look, I, there's room for Intel to come back, but I think that piece is another reason why you should buy AMD. And, and that, because enough. I had a, what? Wow. Enough. Wow. It's the only thing. Dollar General that's down good. 10. Yeah, well, that's why I wanted to talk about it, too, which we're going to in a minute. But let Carl tell us about the opening bell here. Well, I, I don't have much to add, guys, that, that, except that that is the bell and the S&P. I do want to quickly point out before we uh, get going here, Jim, that the banks are clearly... Are going to lead. I think the top 10, 15, maybe 20 S&P leaders are all financial related. We did have the twos, 10 spread uh, get back to the highest since 2015, uh, Jim. And I'm just looking at Philly Fed prices paid, 75.9 on prices paid. Philly Fed, that's the highest going back to March of 1980. Yeah, so totally, yeah. uh, these pressures may be transient, but they're going to be they're going to be elevated, even if they're transient. Right. And what I what I did like, though, is there was at no moment did Fed Chief Powell say that this wouldn't occur. I mean, he said it multiple times. We are going to see inflation go up. So, I mean, I think he's prepped us. Are these bank stocks ahead of themselves? I think they were too cheap and, and they're finally uh, getting some of this. You know, I, I think they're. Trying to get a price earnings multiple. I mean, remember David when Goldman was selling at eight times earnings? I do, I do. No longer the case. And below book, no longer the case. Well, it, there has been know, a huge resurgence the, in these names. But those Goldman's were at all time highs. J.P. Morgan all time high. Yeah. The, I'm saying that those prices were wrong. Yes. They, these companies had a lot more earnings power. Okay. Right. It, clearly. But a uh, yield curve that makes more sense to some is certainly right. helping. Well, also, I mean, we've got the algos. You've told me about the algos. They're set. Yeah. The algorithms are set to buy this group and to sell Apple, Microsoft. I mean, I don't even have to, like, you don't even have to say their names anymore. I think they use, like, some acronym or something, like a fang. What is it? A fang? Mang? Fang? Uh, yes, they what? do, and they are down. Uh, as you just said, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, uh, Alphabet. Uh, all down. Not not dramatic. Well, you put the kibosh on Netflix when you said that people like to go to the movie theaters. What do you mean? I, I Yeah, right. You I just pointed out that it's a different experience. You kiboshed. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Netflix is going to suffer from the idea that people might want to go see a movie. <laughs> but once look a month. at that. Carl, look at once, these stocks every, every day. What happens? I've been talking about the uh, stages of grief. We are in the stages of grief for this group. And we are still in the bargaining stage. We're not willing to let go. You have to have you have to have depression and you get the bottom when you have acceptance. And we are not in the uh, depression phase yet. We're still in the bargaining phase. We're still thinking they can rally. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, we'll keep our eye on names like Peloton for sure, Jim, uh, and some of these high multiple uh, stocks. Uh, They did say yesterday on Bloomberg, John Foley pointed out that bike supply now moving closer to demand, that production capacity is up 7x in a year. And they're also going to work with Adidas on apparel. Uh, We have seen, for example, uh, Kathy Wood snap up some shares on this uh, this medium term dip. Well, she caused the bottom yesterday in a short term bottom in Teladoc, too. I mean, she's rather amazing what she's become. And this is the, the foremost manager of our time that we're talking about. So if you don't know her, got a Googler. But she has become the person who I think her funds are so big 
that when there's a major drop off in a stock that she likes, she does what you should do, which is say, this is my chance. Otherwise, I would move the stock. So is she right about Peloton? All I can say is that if you run a lot of money like she does, you have to buy Peloton on a day like yesterday. And, David, you know we have seen fund managers who run away from declines. Yep. And I like fund managers who have conviction enough to buy a decline. She's running in, as you say, Teladoc and Zillow. Uh, and Butterfly Network. Butterfly so Network. Well, you know Butterfly Network. We do. Jonathan Rothberg, we've had him on a couple of times for his various SPACs. But, of course, that one is now Butterfly. It's no longer SPAC at all. But she's a buyer of that and has been for a bit. Guys, did want to get to Dollar General, Jim. We've mentioned it a bit. But let's give you the news this morning because the company did report earnings. Uh, but it really is the guidance that is responsible for the loss of, let's call it, 6% or so in shares of DG this morning. Uh, and it's what you might expect. And it kind of goes to our initial conversation, Jim, to some extent, in terms of what uh, Dollar General is saying, uh, which is that the significant uncertainty continues to exist. And this is, again, their guidance for this fiscal year 2021 continues to exist regarding the severity and duration of COVID-19 pandemic. And given this uncertainty, it's difficult to predict specific outcomes. Uh, that's kind of where they are right now in terms of U.S., uh, you know, the consumer's behavior and their business. But it's not a good outlook. Uh, net sales in the range of 2% decline to flat. So the best they're hoping for at this point is flat. Same store sales declines of 4 to 6%. And you do see there, they plan to share uh, repurchase $1.8 billion worth of shares in their CapEx. Some are going to come in somewhere between a billion and $1.15 billion, let's call it, Jim. But uh, the shares are suffering as a result of that guidance this morning. Well, Although does, off the lows already. Right, but it does seem, David, do you remember in the first iteration of Dollar General why they went private? When they went private. When they went private. Well, yeah. the, the excuse, well, the reason why, and they were right, was, listen, you know, people keep thinking that when the economy get, does really well, people stop going to our stores. And people keep thinking when the economy does badly, they come to our stores. That's not true. We're a much more secular grower. Uh, well, it's interesting, David. In this coming boom, it does look like people want to trade up to a Kohl's. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go to a, a Dollar General. They want to trade up to a Target. Now, Target gave no guidance, so that has hurt the stock. But we are really fleeing companies that we thought were uh, going to do okay with the stimulus checks, David. Stimulus checks don't seem to be headed to Dollar General. Isn't that interesting? A little early. They don't seem to think so, I guess, but a little early to see. Yeah, but I would have said, listen, look, if you're really bullish, Carl, you would say, this is a great time for us. The economy's opening up. People are getting stimulus checks. The last time when they got the stimulus checks, they went to us. Uh, It's not happening. I, I, it just yeah, not happened. I, I would I, I would say B of B of A's had the opposite view from a macro standpoint. They've argued that the Biden White House is going to focus more on uh, lower income Americans rather than, say, stock market uh, valuations. And that in the end favors discounters over luxury. Uh, but uh, you're, I mean, it's a great point, Jim, and it'll be a debate that goes on for a while. Yeah, I, I've got tremendous respect for these companies. Uh but there is something to be said for what's been going on with the Coles, the Ross stores, the five belows. I mean, five below with a remarkable number today, uh, which is just these are companies that are just cleaning it up right now. They're doing great and they have very positive things to say about the future. We're going to be talking to Petco. I mean, Petco gave a very bullish outlook. These companies can't give a bullish outlook because I, I think they just think that, wow, you know what? Maybe our time came when there was a lockdown and we have to bring up Clorox here because Clorox numbers are all going to be down very big. It's just really incredible. So it that, really is. That, it is that kind of thing. Yeah. They had a lot of they had a lot of cleaning products at Dollar Gen that aren't I'm sure not doing well. 
Well, you mentioned Clorox today downgraded over at D.A. Davidson. They go to neutral because the IRI uh, point of sale data, not surprisingly, is now negative year on year. Same thing with Kroger, Jim, over at Deutsche, uh, short term uh, sell catalyst. Again, on comps that are I mean, vir- virtually impossible to yeah. repeat after the environment we went through last spring. Right. I mean, all your comps. I mean, yeah, your airline traffic is going to look good. Your lift traffic is going to look good. And your sale of Clorox wipes is going to look bad. Well, the numbers from Clorox, they're just, I mean, the projections are terrible. Uh, month, you know, when you look a year over year, like in February, because mm-hmm. people went nuts for Clorox wipes. And I mean, in, in retrospect, yes, we, we, that was important. Handshake was important. But now we all learn that it's really aerosol right. build up and you didn't use every wipe that you bought. You bought more wipes because you hoarded wipes. Uh, it's interesting to see that Kingsford's doing well. Yeah. No, I remember the days of wiping down the groceries. Remember that? Thankfully, that didn't Leave the box long. out there for oh, a day. That was, that was, remember that one? Leave it out for well, a day. Listen, there's a lot of things we're going to remember not fondly from this period. Uh, uh, but some fond ones. Just don't leave, don't leave the, the, the viewers. Hardly any of it is fond. Um, uh, guys, uh, I got I to gotta do uh, this bidding war for uh, Coherent. We've said it before. You're advising a kid coming out of college now in the same way that Dustin Hoffman was advised during the graduate. You wouldn't tell him plastics. You'd say photonics. Photonics, son. Uh, it's... Lasers and man, I mean, Lumentum and uh, and two six, they really want to own this company. Uh, and uh, so yesterday we told you Lumentum came back, and now two six came back yet again with a higher bid. It's worth, or at least at the beginning of trading, it was worth about two eighty seven. You can see two six share price off a bit. Um, it is uh, two twenty in cash. The rest in in their stock. There you see it. The timeline here. I mean, where did we start? Okay, we'll call it two twenty six. We work our way. We work our way up through January and February and March. Remember, was also there was another bidder in there for a bit, uh, and they're gone now. MKS, there's uh, and then uh, brings us right up to the current moment. Uh, so here we are. But um, Lumentum has until 11:59 Pacific time on Monday, March 22nd, to uh, respond to the revised offer from 2.6. Each of these companies, upon further inspection, have found higher synergies. It was already previously reported, but I always find that interesting. We did. We were able to find more money than we originally thought, Jim. So that's good. And that will help undergird our higher bid. And obviously, they both raise money from private equity to help finance their bids as well. Also, banks, uh, as you might expect, given the cash components, gotten fairly large. Photonics, son. Well, it does feel like there's a terrific article t- today about the celebrity SPACs. It does feel like real companies should be able to go get some money. Yeah. Because the people who are listed who are getting getting millions, hundreds of millions who are just celebrities. Well, I, I got to tell you, versus celebrities versus coherent and, and I'd rather give Lumentum money than I would give some of the celebrities that are listed. I mean, but, but Carl, I mean, if you're a celebrity, does anyone really think that you, you made all your money because you were a, a whiz at business? I mean, you were a whiz at what you did, which may not have been business. Right. Right. Although, I mean, still cash, right? Still a cash, cash flow to discount. Yes. It's still cash. There is so much cash around. I mean, that is the one thing that I'm sure that. And what? You have to with the SPAC. You've got two years and then you've got to return the money. Yeah, it goes into trust. It earns some uh, interest. And by the way, now you can actually get a little bit of interest if you put the stuff in treasuries. Right. And then you get your money back if they don't do a deal and or you can also redeem if you don't like the deal. So well, that's the benefit of the whole SPAC phenomenon to some extent. And maybe, is there any possibility you know, maybe these celebrities up. have relationships that somehow will pay off and that somebody's willing to let them look at it or consider it. I'm waiting for real companies 
with, run by so-called celebrities or well-known people to buy something that is accretive. And actually, that's a SPAC I want to see. I'm going to SPAC you. Not spackle. I'm just going to spack you. What do you think, Carl? I think I'm going to acquire Kramer in my own spack. I think it would do very well. What, 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 what's our ticker? Um, mad? Yeah, mad. Yeah? Yeah. How are you on ESG? That says a lot of things. How are you on ESG? How are you on ESG? Are you gonna what's like, your carbon? I think you're going to put me in. I th- I, your ESG is you have me in uh, Ben-Hur. You put me in one of those, you know. Chariots? Chi- no, no, in the ships where you're like. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and you'll say that Jim will be the morale. The, the beating will continue until the morale improves. That's your motto. Thank you. I appreciate you. Right. Well, we'll you, lead with that in our S one. Thank you. The beatings will continue until the morale improves. <laughs> Girl. Uh, guys, um, breath on the uh, NDX. Not so good. A moment ago, there were four green NDX components. We'll continue to watch that. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning with rates still the big story. Hey, Rick. Oh, yes. Big story. They've been the big story. And I think one of the main reasons it's a big story, because how small of a story the Fed seems to make it. Look at a two day of 10s and 30s. If you look at the high yields in each today, 251 uh, was the high yield in 30s. That was up nine plus. 175 was the high yield uh, intraday for 10s. That's up 11. They've eased back just a bit, but still guns hot. If you look at what's going on on the long term, uh, open the chart up to January 1st of 2020. That's the last time 10s were closing at this level. July of 2019 is the comp for 30s closing at these lofty yields. And, of course, the spread is going to be widening. And, indeed, just shy of 160, 10s minus 2s, now at the widest since the 4th of July of 2015. And it doesn't stop there. We keep gaining on overseas markets like sovereigns in Europe, boons. And even though the rates are going up, for example, uh, minus 26 basis points in a boom, but their cycle uh, high yield, which is a smaller negative, is minus 23. Why is that important? because they haven't even traded higher in yield than their current cycle high, whereas treasuries on the long-dated side are just flying through them like a hot knife through butter. And if you look at 10s minus spoons, they are now separated by almost exactly 200 basis points, or 2% of yield. And, of course, that is the widest since January of 2020. We'll call it 13 months. And finally, the biggest tell I've seen in a long time, the way the dollar fell out of bed, is Mr. Powell started to speak, and that is a good tell. And another good tell, it's crossing over the creek, as you see on this two-day chart. Once it gets back to pre-announcement Powell levels, what that tells me is the dollar is going to be hooked more into the higher interest rate movement. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right. Thank you, Rick. Uh, We did get a Dow record high a moment ago, thanks to the banks in part. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Yeah, uh, Carl, a lot of new highs this morning in the bank area. The joke going around on the trading desk this morning, we have a vaccine for COVID. Now we need a vaccine for inflation. Some say we need a vaccine for the Fed. That's what's going around today. And if you take a look at the Sectors movers, uh, Carl's right, banks, a lot of new highs on the new high list for them. Uh, industrials, a lot of new highs on the uh, industrials uh, as well here. Energy's lagging because oil's back down around 63. Tech, obviously, the laggard today as yields rise. The important thing, I think, is the new highs in the bank area. These are value stocks, and this is one of the reasons that value has been outperforming growth so much. We've got a lot of new highs. J.P. Morgan, PNC, Fifth Third, Morgan Stanley, U.S. Bank Corp., a whole raft of what I call uh, the uh, high-level high, high level, 
uh, companies that are in the Midwest and South, some of those banks uh, doing really well, the regional banks right now. Also doing well is any of the big global cyclical companies, the Deers, the Caterpillars, uh, General Motors, Textron, all new highs uh, in the last couple of days. Uh, tech obviously has been lagging. We're all down about 2% today uh, again. But you see the, the drop in the S&P in 19 points is fairly modest because we're getting the rotation into the value names, into the industrials and banks that's offsetting some of this decline that we're seeing in tech stocks. So where are we right now? So the snapshot is pretty simple. Uh, inflation and yield worries have replaced COVID as the number one market risk that's out there. Value stocks have become momentum stocks. We haven't seen this in years. And some people are a little bit uh, uh, trying to catch up with that kind of trade. What's the new trade? I keep hearing about quality plus value. What's quality? Quality, stable earnings growth, low debt to equity, high return on equity. Uh, that's high quality. It's generally big cap stocks. So let me show you some examples. So value stocks have become momentum stocks. What does that mean? Well, companies like Gap, United Airlines, Nucor, General Motors, uh, oil stocks like EOG. These are all value names. Look at this. They've become market leaders. They've become momentum stocks. That's the big story in the stock market this month. Meantime, the growth stocks that used to dominate the market have become the laggards overall. And those, of course, you see the big names, the Apples, Microsofts. Uh, uh, so far uh, for the month here. And uh, they're basically not doing nearly as much as the rest of the market. Uh, high quality plus value. Uh, there's, the I think, the key trade that you really want to look at so far. So what does that mean? So again, you're looking at companies that have stable earnings growth, low debt to equity, and are considered value stocks. So you screen that way. This is what a lot of people are looking for now. These are companies like many of the oil names, like Exxon, some of the healthcare stocks, like United Health, a few industrials, Honeywell falls into this group, uh, and a bunch of consumer names like Coca-Cola, Johnson & Johnson, and Procter and & Gamble. I think you can hear a lot more about those mid-tier stocks that we talk about, those uh, consumer value names in the next couple of weeks, particularly if rates continue to rise. Carl, back to you. All right, uh, Bob, thank you for that, uh, Bob Pisani. Uh, Bob's absolutely right. Uh, got a bunch of all-time highs in the bank group, uh, JPM Goldman. Take a look at the NDX, though. Uh, not too many components in the green. GM, all-time high today. Uh, we're back in a moment. Although, Jim, you know, there's an argument out there this morning that uh, uh, with the dots moving forward, with some of the commentary that the Fed maybe isn't hawkish yet, but it's less dovish than it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, actually, I, I just don't think that's true. I mean, I think that that the Fed, came, that, wow, Jay came to play and he did double down, as Steve Wiesman said. I, I think that he was testy when people were saying, look, it's time. I mean, remember yesterday I said they're going to just badger and badger and badger. He made a very good point, which is that people of color are doing badly in this country versus others. And that's unacceptable to him. And that there's no need to raise until at least that's changed. David, that was monumental here from a Fed chief. It was. And it I was. thought it was fantastic. I know Steve's coverage was great, as was everybody's at that time, uh, listening to the analysis. 10 million unemployed seems to be top of mind for him. Right, Jim? And 9.9% unemployment in African-Americans? Wrong. Got to get back. Well, 10% unemployment, uh, yeah, on an unofficial print in his mind. And again, jobless claims today 
uh, 770,000 uh, is not a number anybody wants to see. Take a short break here. Be back in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Signatures. One of the most unheralded turnaround that I have seen in retail in my whole life is what Gina Drozos has done since she came into Signatures. Now, a lot of people said, well, wait a second. How can they possibly survive during this period? Aren't they? And also ran. Well, she built up the e-commerce. E-commerce now 23% of sales. Are people still going to their stores? Wait a second. Get this. They had 7% comp stores. People were looking for, for 5%. They have tremendous operating cash flow. This is just an amazing story. Why it isn't talked about more is our bad. Gina Drozos, congratulations. Look at that chart. And that is an also ran that is no longer an also ran. You may know it as K. You may know it as, as um, I'm looking at, at, to see which one that David knows. I know them all. Sales, right. Um, Jared. Yeah, Jared. Yeah. Yeah, not the political they, guy. They went to Jared. Yeah. yeah. Not the political Jared. No, I know. Right. Right. How about Tiffany? Oh, that's owned by LVMH now. Tiffany, you want to? Mm. Anyway, we got to talk about these great stories because there's so many bad stories. I'm talking about Jim Dressler's doing a fabulous job, Carl. Just fabulous. Yeah, and the comp guidance for Q1, uh, looking for 80% comps in the quarter oh. that we're in. Uh, pretty amazing. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.